This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. I think I'm the only podcaster on the planet without his own podcasting equipment, so I need to get this episode, episode 105, done before all the snow hits the Twin Cities and surrounding area. Friday, our first snowfall of the year. So I'm taping this on Thursday, the 26th of October. This will be the news and notes version. Although George Carl, longtime, what, Kings, Nuggets, he's coached six different franchises. He has lots of strong opinions on the NBA. He now is is semi-retired, although we can ask him if the phone rings. Would he answer or is he done coaching? So we will catch up with George Carl. I cannot pass up an opportunity to talk hoops with George. So we'll start with George, then go news and notes on the Wolves. A bunch of tidbits on all or just about all the local teams. First, quick love for Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com online. Vine Park Brewery is in St. Paul, conveniently located West 7th Street, between 35E and downtown St. Paul, closer to 35E. Great beer. Think about this weekend. It'll be cold, all this snow, or an inch, or whatever it is, a bunch of slush coming. You may be inside a bunch this weekend watching football. Well, why not have some beer while you're inside watching football, watching the World Series? You name it, a wild game, a Wolves game, if the Wolves somehow interest you right now after this debacle of an effort this week, whatever it might be, if you're home this weekend, swing into Vine Park, pick up a growler. They will have a flavor, a recipe that will satisfy your taste buds. They've been making beer for 22 years. That means they have a good product. You don't make it that long if you don't have a good product. Also, if you're interested to see how they make their beer or their wine or their root beer, $7 gets you a tour, so they'll show you how they make all their stuff. Then that $7 gets you a flight or a pint plus Higgy's Pizza. It's a good deal. For more information, vinepark.com. All right, let's get to George Carl. We'll get his take on the Wolves. He's close with Tom Thibodeau. Some other NBA talking points. George, one of nine coaches with over 1,000 career wins. The coach of six different franchises. He is a man who knows far more about basketball than I'll ever know. Heck, he forgets more about basketball in three seconds than I'll ever know. So why not talk to George? He's a guy that I enjoy picking the brain of, somebody I've gotten to know over the last few years. So we now bring you George Carl. All right, George, always appreciate your time. All right, you watch the Wolves closely enough. This week, just annihilated at home against Indiana in Detroit. Now, no Jimmy Butler, but never before has a Tom Thibodeau coached team played defense like this in a bad way. I mean, heck, you look at the field goal percentage of Indiana on Tuesday night, its starters shot 88% in the second half, 77% they shot as a team in the second half. I mean, never before has a team shot that well against a Tom Thibodeau-led defense from afar. What are you observing? What do you see with the Timberwolves here through the first five games? Uh, well, I think the problem is they're giving up too many points. Mm-hmm. And, uh... You know, I, I think it's early in the season. I don't think there's any time, any reason to panic other than the whole thing comes down to is the West is going to come down to one or two games. And, you know, if you throw away a couple games early in the season, you might remember them come April when the end of the season happens. Uh, you know, I, I, can't, I can't say I've studied Minnesota. I've been surfing more because, you know, I'm looking at all the teams, having fun watching NBA basketball. Uh but the chemistry of their offense, I think, is going to be really good. But right now, it isn't. You know, and I think you got you got a lot of guys that can score, and maybe a lot of guys that want to score a little bit too much. And that personality takes time. 
And younger teams usually take more time than veteran teams to figure out who they are. Uh, you know, and I don't think anybody right now is playing great basketball in the NBA. Uh, I think Golden State struggled. Cleveland struggled. Uh, you know, San Antonio seems to be the machine that you know, mm-hmm. they, whoever they put out there, they win games and they play well. Um, you know, I, I just think it's, you know, this, I think because of the shortened exhibition season and just the way practices are now being dictated by the collective bargaining agreement, uh, a coach like Thibodeau needs a little more time. I think he'll get it. I don't think he's going to throw defense away. I think it's a, that's a, his heart is at in that end of the court. I, I know I'm, I'm sure he's going crazy right now, giving up that many points, but. You know, right now you have teams in the league that can score. And, uh, you know, I think I think Indiana's probably going to be a little better than people think they're going to be. And I think Detroit has a good chance to be a playoff team. So right now you're saying, oh, well, how they could lose the two teams that aren't that good. But in the end, they might end up being good. And I suppose Jimmy Butler is that much of a difference maker. Maybe I'm overrating him, but to me he's a top, what, top 10, top 12 player in the entire NBA when talking about a two-way player, a player that brings it on the defensive end, he did not play Tuesday. He did not play Wednesday. So to me, you know, let's give them 15 to 20 games when they have their full complement of players, including Jimmy Butler. It's far too soon to push any sort of panic button. No question. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, one of my best years, I started 3-10. Three, three, uh, three and 10. Uh, I started one year 2-19 and 19 and made the playoffs. So, I mean... The league, the league has a way of coming back, and the league has a way over 82 games of telling the truth. And uh, a lot of times early in the season, schedule, the bounce of the ball, a call. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Minnesota is going to be fine. I, 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 I really look forward to seeing where Butler and Wiggins goes. I mean, that, those two guys I think can be really, really good. Uh, you know, uh, and how they figure each other out, how they learn to help each other, how they team together. And as you say, I, I always thought Wiggins was a really good defender, too. So you have two of the best wing defenders in basketball. Ooh, you think so, George? I don't know. I don't see it with Wiggins so far. He's got the athleticism. He doesn't necessarily bring it every night. He hasn't brought it this week defensively, I'll tell you that much. Well, obviously, when a team scores that many points, the guards, I think, are at fault in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, when you give up a, that many points, the ball is free and loose. And usually that means guards are free and loose. And that usually that means shooters are free and loose. And the other way to give up a lot of points, you've got to have a lot of turnovers. Now, I haven't checked their, their turnover stats, but the two things that hurt defense from the offensive end of the court are turnovers and bad shot selection. And right now in the season, I see a lot of bad shot selection. A lot of teams have a lot of bad shot selections. And I think coaches need time to tell players, hey, this is a shot I want, and if you take this shot, you're not going to play. I don't think that's been dictated yet. I think that will be dictated, not only with Minnesota, but other teams in the, in the near future. Right, you know Tibbs's defense as well as anybody, George. How long do you think it takes? What is a good sample size for amount of games for guys like Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, to figure out exactly what Tibbs wants on the defensive end. We are now talking year two under Tibbs, so these guys have played roughly, what, 85, 86 games for Tom Thibodeau. You think about Andrew Wiggins, played a year for the late Flip Saunders, 
then played for Sam Mitchell. Certainly Sam did some things differently from Flip than the last two years for Tibbs. So he's played for three coaches in four years. Carl Anthony Towns played for Sam Mitchell, now playing for Tom Thibodeau. So does it take some time for these young guys? Is it something like 100 games, 150 games, to really get comfortable with a coach's defensive philosophies? Well, I think what takes time is is uh, the, men- the mental side of the game of basketball. Who do you want to be? What type of player do you want to be? All the players that come in the NBA, probably I would say 80% of them, maybe even 90% of them, think you know they they want to score points. They want to be a scorer in the league, and it takes sometimes it takes them five. And Mello, it took ten years maybe, you know, to where it took him to realize that you got to play both sides of the court. And 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 I think right now a young team in Minnesota who has expectations all over them, I think they're too they're too into offense more than they are into winning basketball games. And I remember a long time ago. Pete Newell told me the game of basketball starts and it ends at the defensive end of the court. And, you know, the 46 minutes in between, then at the start and the end of the game, you got to be able to play defense to be a big-time winner in the NBA. I know the league has gotten to be a really good offensive team. A league, the league is, is, you know, it's adjusted its rules to help the offense. But still, deep down inside, you got to be a balanced team. You can't be a one-sided team. All right, with that being said, then, do you like Jeff Teague? I mean, you can make a case from a defensive standpoint. The Wolves have taken a step backwards at the point guard position, going from Ricky Rubio to Jeff Teague. Well, I think it's a hard position to cover. Point guards now have the ball a lot. Point guards have a lot of pick and rolls. Point guards have a lot of freedom. And so it's a very and, – and I think you know that you know, almost every team in the West and almost now almost every team in the NBA have a good point guard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't, you don't have many off days at the defensive end of the court. Uh, I've seen Jeff Teague be a good defender. I know he's a good steel guy. Uh, but I, I, think, I think, again, I think Tibbs and Teague and all their guards are going to get better than what they're doing right now. And, and when you give up 130, the ball is just probably too wild and too loose. All right, let's talk non-Wolves. Let's talk some other NBA topics, George. Who is a coach or two that comes to mind that doesn't get enough love? I mean, clearly Popovich gets a lot of love, rightfully so. Steve Kerr, go up and down the list of guys that get the love they deserve. But whether it's, you know, a Fizdale in Memphis. I hear a lot of good things about him because I'm friends with J.B. Bickerstaff, who's on the Memphis staff. I hear a lot of good things about Fizdale. Maybe it's Brown in Philly. Maybe it's who's the coach with the Nets, Atkinson. Who are some guys that you know that maybe don't necessarily get the love they deserve but are really good head coaches? Well, when you ask that question, the first guy came to mind is Fulster in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's even though he's had a lot of success, and I think there's a lot of glory that goes with that success, but I still think he, he is undersold because I think his teams are hard to play. They play harder than you do a lot of nights, and uh, they know who they are. They know they, they they know what they have to do, and and they got somewhat of a you know a no name team down there in Miami. And I thought then the last year they were playing great basketball and playing really 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 well at the at the end of the year. Uh, the the other not, other guy that comes to my mind is is Mike D'Antoni. I think Mike has mm-hmm. always been sold out as an offensive guy. 
And, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Seattle Seahawks. You know, they, they, they won that. They are probably one of the most simple football teams in the world. And they, they talk about their defense all the time. But, you know, Wilson wins more games in the fourth quarter than any quarterback I've seen in the last five years. And, you know, there's, there's a toughness to them. And even though Mike plays a fast and free game and he wants to outscore you and he goes out there and he does it a lot of nights, I think Houston, you know, I think they're, they're going to be better than people think they're. I mean, I think the Chris Paul trade is interesting. But Eric Gordon, I think, is ready to have a bust-out year. The Capella kid is having, a, you know, I think he, he had a good year last year. And I think he's going to be better this year. I think Ariza is an unsung, quiet solid, the good player that wins games for you. And, you know, Harden is Harden. You know, I, know, I mean, Mike Nantone is one of the few people that saw Mike Harden, uh, James Harden being the point guard. I didn't see that. And I didn't see him being the guy he's been the last couple of years. I mean, do you think the Rockets can win the West? I mean, when you say they might be better than people think, I mean, a lot of people say they're the two or the three seed in the West. Can they be the number one seed in the Western Conference? Uh, you got to tell me what Golden State's mentality going to be. <laughs> you know, they're not they're not into the game right now. I mean, Golden State is still trying to find their their karma and their spirit to play the game the right way. Uh, you know, but I I, think, I I just think Golden State is a standard right now that everybody's got to get better than. And 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 five games into a season, I'm not ready to sell them out yet. How hard is that, George? I mean, you coached some really good teams. We're in Seattle, right? How hard is that to get guys to play at a really high level game five of the season, game six, when it's such a grind? You know, they're coming off the title. They know, regardless of what seed they are in the playoffs, the one seed, the two seed, the three seed, you've got Durant, you've got Green, you've got Curry, you've got Thompson. You will win. So is that hard? Is that a challenge for Steve Kerr in your mind to get these guys to play at a pretty high level here early in the season? Yeah, I think it's a challenge, but I think, you know, you have to remember the champs take the best punch from everybody, and especially early in the season when every team they're playing thinks they're going to be a good team. So they're taking the best shot. Uh, They're obviously not in good rhythm offensively, and they're a little bit out of rhythm, I think, defensively. And so, um, you know, they're they're like a lot of teams. They haven't laid their A game. But I don't think they're that far from it. And, and as I stated a couple times already in the interview, is that, you know, the shortened exhibition season, the way the practices are held, the way coaches don't have as much time on the court with their team, in a lot of ways you're still in exhibition season right now. You know, it's going to be another five, maybe even ten games before you see some, uh, some teams look polished and ready to go. All right, well, with that being said, have you ever seen a coach fired after three games, Earl Watson fired in Phoenix? No. I mean, I, you know, I, I think right now expectations right now is, you know, you got to be you got to only be successful in the NBA. You got to be you got to be cooperative and highly successful. And that doesn't even mean you have security. I mean, it, it's it's kind of a crazy world for coaching. But I mean, that's the way it's been in Europe for years you know i mean i coached real madrid 25 years ago they they fired three coaches in one year and they lost like seven games you know and so you know it's a crazy world but you know when you when when you're at the top of the mountain you know the expectations are going to be high and if you don't deliver high success 
you're going to have a chance to be questioned. Speaking of crazy, let me ask you about two guys that you know well. Let me start with Carmelo Anthony, crazy in the sense that I did not see him landing in Oklahoma City. I thought maybe Houston, maybe somewhere else. I didn't think he'd end up with the Thunder. Do you like Melo, somebody you know very well? Do you like him as a fit in Oklahoma City? I like him better than people think. Uh, I think uh, most people are thinking Paul George, him, and Russell are going to be difficult. I, 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 tr- I mean, I trust Russell Westbrook more than most people. I think he's – I would love to coach him. I love his effort. I love his energy. And he's smarter than people give him credit for. He's not a high point guard IQ guy, but he puts numbers up. He gets assists. He doesn't turn it over crazy. Uh, I think he's getting better in his decisions. And I think this, te- this team is going to be a good test for him. And so far, I think he's passed that test very, very well. I mean, you think he can coexist over an 82-game season where he might be the third wheel? I think some games he's going to be the third wheel. Some games he's going to be the best player on the floor. Yeah. I don't think he has to be the best player on the floor as much as I think other people think so. Can he defend? He's adequate. He can make defensive plays. Is he going to be making an all-star? Is he going to make an all-defensive team? No. <laughs> no. But, you know, he makes defensive plays. He anticipates well. He can make a block. He can make a game-ending defensive play. Um, but does he make that commitment? I think he puts so much energy into playing that the game aggressively and offensively minded that he might not have enough gas in the tank to play both ends of the court 48 minutes. Another player, George, you know well, good timing with this conversation, DeMarcus Cousins making his return to Sacramento later tonight when New Orleans plays Sacramento. A, will you watch the game? B, are you curious to see how it'll go? Well, I'm... I'll watch the game, but I don't think Sacramento's very good. So, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think they might play on emotion. The crowd might rally them to a win. But uh, I, I think one of the biggest mysteries to me is how New Orleans is going to be. Because they're trying, everybody else in the NBA is playing small and playing four guards. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to play two of the most talented big guys in the league. And they're trying to make, you know, they're trying to play anti NBA basketball in a lot of ways. So it should be interesting to see how they how they establish their personality in the next couple of weeks. Um, I thought DeMarcus played great in Portland. I saw that game. You know, that was the only game on TV, so I watched most of that game. He was dynamite. I think he had 25 points in the third quarter. And he was the best player on the court. But this, this, I saw the same thing I saw when I coached DeMarcus was when DeMarcus was the best player on the court he still couldn't win the game. And I, I always felt that if you have the best player on the court, you should win the game most of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's an, it's an interesting, I think it's an experiment that, you know, to see if the big man can make it maybe a, a revival a little bit and say you can still win playing with, through the big guys. Why is that, George, with DeMarcus, if he is the best player on the floor? Certainly, yeah, in that Portland game. Now, trust me, I'll take McCollum, I'll take Lillard. But, yeah, I mean, he was phenomenal the other night. Why is it, whether it was that night, you know, nights you coached him, you know, that, that his team doesn't win when he is the best player on the court? Well, I think a lot of it is the, the big guys, you know, they don't have the ball. So we got to work to get the ball to the big guys. And sometimes the system breaks down getting the ball to the big guys. And, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of the makeup of the game says the big guys got – are, are, are kind of being negated because the game is easier played on the perimeter. 
So, I mean, the rule changes, you still can wrestle with the big guys. You can't touch the guards. Uh, the ball can go almost anywhere it wants to go, and then you've got the pick-and-roll game where the guards have a lot of the power to throw the ball to. You know, they're in control of the decisions. Uh, to change that, you've got to take your time to get the ball to the big guys. Where do you want them in pick-and-roll? Do you want them on the low block? Do you want them on an ISO? Do you want them at the elbow? Do you want them to be a playmaker? Do you want them to be a scorer? You know, and you got Davis and you got Davis and Demarcus who can do all those things. You know, they they don't have limitations. They all are very talented to be very very good. And uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves because most of the league and analytics are saying the game is going to the guards, and they're trying to do it with two of the top seven big guys in basketball. Did you see the Cousins interview with Mark Spears of ESPN? That was online this week. I mean, he pretty much says, you know, his one regret is that he didn't leave Sacramento earlier. He claims he had a chance to leave Sacramento when you got the job there. What was your reaction to those comments? I don't, I don't you know, I don't know if he ever had that opportunity that I know of. Now, the management might have told him something else that I didn't know about. But, um, you know, DeMarcus is a talent that's searching for a winning team. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of those guys in the NBA. There are a lot of good, good to great players that can't figure out. You know, they've been dealt a bad hand. I think you know Demarcus, for many years in Sacramento, didn't have the talent to win. Uh, and 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 I think now he's searching for that winning feeling. Uh, and I think that's great. I think he's a. I think I think he's good enough to you know to invest in. But in the same sense, he's got to figure out, he's got to also make the commitment to being a winning basketball player and not a statistical basketball player. Another player that falls under that umbrella, Eric Bledsoe. He wants out in Phoenix. Do you like him as a fit in Denver? You follow the Nuggets closely. Do you like him with the Nuggets? Ooh, I love his speed. I love him, I love him as a player. But I think Denver needs a, a brain. They need, they, need a, they need a point guard. They need a savvy guy. And even though I think Eric's a good point guard in the league, that front, the, the basketball savvy and IQ of him is probably not his top talent. His talent is his speed. His talent is his ability to get the game in the, in the flow and in the open court. Um, but I think he's better than the point guards that Denver has. And so, yes, I would think, I would think that would be an upgrade. But in the same sense, I think for Denver, the – Put all, make all their talent work. I think they need a kind of a maybe a more of a playmaking point guard than a scoring point guard. I'll leave you with this. What is keeping you busy now? I mean, if the phone rings, I mean, will you listen? Would you still like to coach? Yeah, uh, I love the gym. I would like uh, you know the NBA excites me. It, it, it's my passion. Uh, I don't think I want to take a, a rebuild or a, 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 a poor team and try to save it or turn it around. Uh, but in the same sense, I'm open to anything. I, you know, my, my feeling over the last eight months, 10 months is, you know, I'm not going to chase it, but I think everybody that knows me well knows that I love the game and would love to be back in the gym. Have you visited with some teams? I know, you know, Tom Thibodeau came and visited you in Sacramento when he took the year off. Have you visited with any teams? Yeah, I visited with Utah, and I've been out to the Lakerland and, and the Clipperland, and uh, I spent some time with my son with the D-League, his D-League team. 
Um, and, and there might be one or two more stops along the way as the season goes on. I think sometimes training camp is not the time to come because there's a lot of experimenting going on. Mm-hmm. It's kind of when something gets broken that sometimes you can come in and maybe help a team find, find a new, new avenue of success. George, always fun to catch up. I'll certainly be in touch in the near future. Darren, good talking to you. Tell tips hello. Here's what you might have missed on a recent episode of the Raised by Wolves podcast. When I watched Andrew Wiggins, I mean, not only did he look noticeably bigger, and I mean, just like he had a mass, and he looked like he even like grew an inch or something, although I have no idea if he did, but just seeing him crashing the boards and, you know, going aggressively for those putbacks. I mean, there was really none of that passivity that people were, you know, complaining about in recent years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that him and Jimmy Butler didn't seem to be awkwardly trying to fit in the same space. What did you see from Wiggins that might be a little different or encouraging in some way? Yeah, I think I, I saw a lot of the same. Like, there was especially, like, one really, really nice uh, baseline drive where he just, like, tomahawked it in, uh, in the half court. Like, you thought that he was going to just take the three, but he waited for the closeout and just ripped into, ripped into the defense. And that was really nice. I think I still have some problems with his shot selection that that showed up in the preseason. He just, to me, it's about maximizing what you have on the team as a whole. You can find the Raised by Wolves podcast on iTunes or wherever it is you find your podcasts. Download and subscribe today. I certainly will tell Tibbs hello for George Carl. The Wolves back in action Friday night hosting Oklahoma City. The belief is that Jimmy Butler will be better by Friday night, that he will play. I'm told he first got sick on Sunday, late Sunday, after the win in Oklahoma City. He was pretty beat up, so it was legitimate why he couldn't play against the Pacers plus the Pistons. Clearly, the Wolves miss Jimmy Butler a ton. I saw a bunch of tweets going at the Wolves, going at Tibbs. Hey, the efforts this week, those two efforts, the Pistons game, the Pacers game, hey, I can't defend the Wolves When it comes to those two games, I will say, though, that Jimmy Butler is one heck of a difference maker. Let's give them a good 15 to 20 games with Jimmy Butler before we formulate any strong opinions. I still think this Wolves team will be pretty good. I'll get to the question of whether the Wolves are interested in Eric Bledsoe, or at least the answer. We'll investigate the question, give you the answer. But first, some love for running tap. The code, the scoop 2 gets you $20 off an order of $30 or more. How about that offer? Again, the scoop 2 all caps, the scoop 2 running-tap.com online. They are a local startup that delivers beer directly from tap rooms to you. People don't think about it, but beer in the liquor stores has been sitting around sometimes upwards of six months. For an IPA, for example, that definitely impacts how that IPA tastes. Also, there's like 150, 175 breweries in the state now, and many of those guys are making small batches of amazing stuff, but 90% of those beers don't make it into the liquor stores or bars. And, of course, they deliver on Sundays. There is no uptick in pricing. They will deliver to you on a Sunday for the same price as they will other days of the week. Again, go to the website running-tap.com for all sorts of information that I can't provide in a 30- or 60-second copy. But trust me, I just got a tweet the other day, somebody complimenting how great this service is. You need to check it out. If you're a beer aficionado, you need to check out running-tap.com. They will deliver local beer right to you. All right, on Eric Bledsoe, I am told no Wolves interest to date. No Wolves interest shown as of Thursday afternoon. 
the 26th of October. Now, who knows? Maybe the Wolves are going back to the drawing board after these two efforts this week. But I'm told no Wolves interest in Eric Bledsoe, as I hinted at on Twitter a number of days ago, I think before the National guys even hopped in on this one. The Milwaukee Bucks certainly are one team to watch. I asked George Carl about the Nuggets. The Nuggets are a team to watch. The Knicks are a team to watch. You know, there's probably some others, but those would be the three that I would circle and say keep an eye on those three teams. The Suns will eventually move Eric Bledsoe, but no sense whatsoever to date that the Wolves have interest. I do think eventually, maybe closer to the trade deadline, the Wolves do something, but they are said to be happy with the current roster. They were not in on Richard Jefferson, some of these other free agents. They are happy with what they have for the time being, although I'll reiterate what I said on a recent Scoop podcast about them doing their due diligence on Jared Dudley. He is now back for the Suns, missed the entire preseason. He had toe surgery over the summer, so he missed training camp. That would be a name to watch. Now, the Wolves a couple summers ago did not have free agent interest in Dudley, but clearly the landscape of the roster has changed significantly. I can see the Wolves chasing some wing depth later in the season. Clearly the Suns will eventually shop Jared Dudley. I would think they'll eventually move Jared Dudley. So keep an eye on that name as we move forward this NBA season. All right, I had the same reaction as you when the Twins announced on Thursday afternoon that Garvin Alston, former A's bullpen coach, former Arizona bullpen coach, he's also worked in the Padres organization. When the Twins announced Garvin Alston as their new pitching coach, I said, who? Who is that? So I reached out to some people in the game. So far, the feedback is positive. Here's what else I can add on the Twins pitching coach search front. Jim Hickey, former Rays pitching coach. Now, signs point to Hickey landing with Joe Madden again, reuniting with Madden. They worked together in Tampa. The Hickey will land with the Cubs. That being said, somebody close to Hickey told me he was expecting a Twins offer. He did interview for the job. He was expecting a Twins offer. Now, would he have accepted that offer? You know, again, I think he ends up with the Cubs or he ends up somewhere, maybe back with David Price with the Red Sox. Jim Hickey will coach somewhere inevitably, but there is a belief from his side he was expecting a Twins offer, but it never came. The Twins never made an offer to Jim Hickey. On Carl Willis, the former Twin, he did interview for the Twins pitching coach job. He is now with the Indians. I will say this much. The Twins were never going to offer Carl Willis the pitching coach job. I don't know if the interview just went sideways even a little bit. Maybe there's mutual respect. I'm sure there is. But the Twins were not offering the job to Carl Willis. So losing him to the Indians in their minds is not a loss. I'll say this on Mike Maddox. Was able to text with Mike Maddox. All he would offer up to me is he thinks the world of Thad Levine. They worked together with the Rangers. Now Bob Nightingale of USA Today says Maddox, who did take the Cardinals pitching coach job on Thursday afternoon, he says, Nightingale that is, says that Maddox had five offers total. So four other teams made pitching coach offers to Mike Maddox. The Giants are said to be one. Who else did the Twins make him an offer? I will dig on that. But again, Maddox himself will only offer up that he thinks the world of Thad Levine. Also on the Twins pitching coach search, I'm told two names to keep an eye on for the minor league roving coordinator position they are hiring for two of many names there will be many in the mix on this one but mark Pryor, yes that mark Pryor, who now works in the padres front office plus sean cole he works in the padres organization so remember those two names mark Pryor plus sean cole on alston looking at some free agent pitchers that could interest the twins or interest alston Two names to keep an eye on, Jordan Lyles plus Trevor Cahill. That doesn't mean either will end up with the Twins, but both those guys have a history with Alston. Lyles would be more of the minor league offer variety. 
Cahill, I would think, can garner a major league offer, but Lyle certainly cannot. The Twins never contacted John Farrell. Now, John is still being paid by the Red Sox, so it's entirely possible because he didn't land in Cleveland with Terry Francona, his good friend, that he just will sit out the year. He's got a son that's a cusp major league pitcher, that John Farrell will just sit out the year, collect paychecks from the Red Sox, then maybe get back in the game in 2019. But for sure, what I can tell you is the Twins never had interest in John Farrell. By the way, make no mistake, yes, Paul Molitor had a good conversation with Garvin Alston. Molitor did not know Garvin Alston before Falvey brought the name to him. This has Derek Falvey's fingerprints all over it. I'm sure publicly the Twins will say, yes, it was a collaborative effort. No, not really. Derek Falvey is a pitching savant in so many ways, a pitching guru, so that's fine. I mean, I would defer to Derek Falvey on all things pitching. Remember, he had his fingerprints all over those draft picks. You know, Derek Falvey just, he cherishes studying pitching, being a pitching expert. So Derek Falvey should have been all over the hire of the new pitching coach, but I'm told Garvin Alston has Derek Falvey's fingerprints all over it. I mean, Paul Molitor's guy is Chris Bazio. Chris Bazio is looking for a job. There is no sense that the Twins went anywhere on the Bazio front. Also on the Twins front now, Ron Gardenhier, the Tigers manager. Some of Gardy's guys are still here in the Twins organization. I'm told the Twins have been sniffing around on at least one coach, a potential addition to the Major League staff in the Rangers organization. I'll just leave it at that. So I do wonder if you know, somebody that Gardy knows well maybe ends up on his staff in Detroit. It creates an opening on the Twins' major league staff. Recall a couple of weeks ago, Derek Falvey said, hey, I expect. He didn't say every member of the coaching staff 100% would be back. He said, I expect, but some of those guys are not under contract. They have relationships with Gardy. I don't think the Twins would make a serious effort to retain some of those guys, or one or two in particular. So if one of those guys or two of those guys end up in Detroit on Gardy's staff, I know the Twins have started to do their due diligence on some potential additions to the Major League coaching staff. One name that will not land in Detroit on Gardy's staff, Tory Hunter, Twins special assistant, roving minor league instructor. I am told that he won't pursue any sort of full-time Major League coaching job for at least three more years. So if the Tigers, if Gardy approaches Torrey Hunter, I believe it was John Heyman or some national writer speculated in a tweet that Torrey Hunter would be a good fit for Gardy's staff in Detroit, but no, not happening. Look for Torrey Hunter to return in the same role next year that he had this year with the Twins. A few other Twins notes. Last January, they had a hitting summit in Fort Myers. Look for this upcoming January, a pitching summit led by Garvin Alston, plus their roving instructor that they will hire In the very near future, Twins organizational meetings will be in the winter. They are not here in the month of October. Terry Ryan used to do organizational meetings right after the season. Not the case with Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. We're a number of weeks away from those organizational meetings, which will take place in Fort Myers. Also, the Twins last week in Jupiter, Florida. It was a big high school event, one of those perfect game events. It was 10 different scouts from the Twins, 10 different scouts were on hand for that perfect game tournament in Jupiter, Florida last week. Vikings notes, Stefan Diggs was actually okay to play last week if it was a playoff game. Somebody close to Diggs told me, hey, if that were a playoff week, if that game Sunday against the Ravens was a playoff game, Stefan Diggs would have found a way to play. He is practicing this week. Signs do point to him returning for the Browns game, but who knows? The Vikings could in the next couple days say, hey, A groin injury is a pesky injury. There's no reason to play him against the Browns. We can find a way to beat the Browns without Diggs. Let's give him that extra week. 
have him come back on November 12th against the Redskins. The point is, whether Diggs plays this Sunday against the Browns, which is looking more and more likely, or they do hold him out last second and have him return against the Redskins, the point is the groin injury is not a long-term injury. Diggs is okay. On Michael Floyd, I'm told it's a strain, a hamstring strain. He got around-the-clock treatment even on the airplane. They had him wrapped in in some sort of contraption to help that hamstring on the six-hour flight to London. Signs do point he was limited in practice on Thursday, but signs do point to, at least in Floyd's mind, somebody close to Floyd telling me that Floyd feels like he can be back on the field Sunday against the Browns. Riley Reef is okay. On Teddy Bridgewater, he's looked good. As I've said in a number of different forums, he actually could have practiced a number of weeks ago, but the pup rules said, hey, You have to wait until after week six. But he was okay to practice a number of weeks ago. This is still Case Keenum's team right now, but I'll continue to say at some point this year, we will see Teddy Bridgewater take snaps. The Vikings need to take a look at Teddy to make a determination if he can be their quarterback in 2018. One other Vikings note, their college scouts busy. This is that time of the year, right? There's games, there's practices. Their scouts have to get ready for the 2018 draft. Their scouts have been to both recent Gophers games, so the one against Michigan State, The one against Illinois, Alabama, Tennessee, Navy, Memphis, Michigan, Michigan State, Rutgers, Ohio State. They were recently at an East Carolina practice. They were at a Minnesota State Moorhead practice. The Viking scouts get out and about. Also on that front, I can mention that there were four teams total at Gophers, Illinois, the Ravens, the Patriots, and I believe it was the Colts. I don't have all my notes in front of me, but I know the Ravens actually had a couple scouts there. Makes sense since they were here in town the next day. And in reality, every NFL team has already been to at least one Gophers practice. Clearly, the Gophers practices are open to any NFL scout that wants to drop by. Every team has had at least one scout drop by a Gophers practice going back to early August. Whether it's Steve Richardson, Jonathan Celestine, the Gophers do have some NFL draft prospects. If Rodney Smith wants to leave a year early, he certainly is an NFL player, so the Gophers do have some guys that have a chance, whether it's either as a draft pick, a late-round draft pick, or as an undrafted free agent. They definitely have some guys that have a chance to play in the NFL. All right, let's get to Gophers sports as a whole. Let's start with football or continue the Gophers football theme. Nick Connolly had the scoop on Twitter the other day. Nick Connolly, Red Wings' own starting right tackle as recently as the Purdue game a few weeks ago. He is actually retiring. He suffered a concussion in the Purdue game. That is concussion number five in the last six years. Brain injuries are nothing to mess with. Sometimes we forget concussions are a brain injury. So Nick Connolly has injured his brain five times in the last six years. So the former Gopher starting right tackle has made the determination to walk away. Also on the Gophers, Hank Bachmeyer remains P.J. Fleck's top quarterback priority for the class of 2019. Fleck has been working, Hank, pretty hard. He just got done with a Boise State visit, but I'm telling you, Fleck is is aggressive on the Hank Bachmeyer front. He wants him to be the quarterback in the class of 2019. Also, Fleck continues to tell people, heck, he has said it publicly, that when is the last time the Gophers had a quarterback drafted? We have to go back so many years. Fleck realizes that's a big reason why he's here. He realizes he needs to develop a quarterback or two, somebody that's an NFL caliber quarterback. You're not winning here at Minnesota without a quarterback that can pass the ball, that is a legitimate threat, maybe pass and run. But bottom line, 
have an NFL-type future. It won't happen right away, but after three or four years in the program, a quarterback that can put himself in a position to be an NFL draft pick. P.J. Fleck wants to find a quarterback that has an NFL future. Also on Gophers Football Heard a couple weeks ago in practice, they actually started to put in a trick play or two. Might we see that trick play against Iowa? Hey, that would be pretty cool on Saturday night if we see a trick play or two that the Gophers execute against those Hawkeyes. Who will get to say... That swine is mine. The Floyd of Rosedale on the line Saturday in Iowa City. I can't recall if I passed this note along or not, but the Gophers are confident that they can get a medical redshirt on Antoine Winfield Jr. That hamstring injury, they are confident they can get another year. So don't look for Antoine Winfield Jr. to play again this year anytime soon. Also on Gophers Athletics, Gophers Men's Hockey, Casey Middlestead, I had the scoop on Twitter on Saturday night. He is dealing with a shoulder injury. He did practice Wednesday, did practice Thursday, but in a red medical jersey, which means no contact. So it certainly appears as if he will be a true game-time decision for the Friday night game against Clarkson. How will he feel when he wakes up on Friday morning? How will that shoulder react? But there is a chance. He hasn't been ruled out yet for the weekend. There is an outside chance that Middlestead is back. This weekend against Clarkson, the top 10 pick of the Buffalo Sabres, Eden Prairie's own Casey Middlestat. On Gophers men's basketball, Saturday is media day. Sunday is the maroon and gold scrimmage at Williams Arena, free, open to the public. It starts at 5. Then on November 5th, Sunday, November 5th, Vikings by Sunday. So it's a wide open Sunday on the local sports scene. Actually, the Wolves play. But the point is the Vikings don't play on that Sunday. The Gophers men's basketball team will host Wisconsin Green Bay at Maturi Pavilion in a scrimmage. All proceeds going to Hurricane Victims, Puerto Rico, maybe other victims too. I actually don't have the press release in front of me. But I do know that proceeds definitely will go to Puerto Rico hurricane victims. Anyway, it's November 5th. It's Sunday, November 5th again. Maturi Pavilion, Gophers against Wisconsin Green Bay. The cost to get in won't be much. Tickets are on sale to the general public Tuesday, 9 a.m. I know season ticket holders had a chance late this week to purchase tickets, but then the general public will have a chance to buy tickets on Tuesday morning as of 9 a.m. We saw the box score from the Creighton games, Reggie Lynch cleared for contact, Dupree McBrayer, Devontae Fitzgerald, and so on. I do know from an internal standpoint, there is a lot of excitement. I mean, there should be, right? That's not exactly breaking news, but they are excited about this year's roster. Isaiah Washington has certainly impressed. We will see Isaiah Washington, the true freshman point guard, along with Nate Mason together in the backcourt plenty with Washington on the ball. He can even play off the ball, but certainly Washington on the ball, Mason off the ball. Gophers men's basketball lost out on that recruit earlier this week. The Nelson kid, the point guard from the New York City area, he chose Seton Hall over the Gophers. At this point, the Gophers will wait until the spring. There is no fall momentum for them filling that last 2018 recruiting class spot. They so far have... Jarvis, I guess he changed his last name, but we know him as Jarvis Thomas from Orono, the former Tartan star, Gabe Kausher, De La Salle, Daniel Oturu from Creighton, Darham Hall. So those three are a part of the 2018 recruiting class. The Gophers still have one opening. So it looks like they will wait until the spring. So the spring opens up endless possibilities. So no reason to speculate on a position or a player at this point. Let's just wait and see how the season plays out then where the Gophers are. Maybe some guys that get out of their letter of intense, you know, there's always the possibility of a Minnesota kid transferring, graduate transfers. The Gophers will have endless possibilities come the spring 
to fill out that last spot for the 2018 recruiting class. A couple other Gophers men's basketball notes. Akeem Springs, remember him, the emotional leader of last year's team. He is trying out for the Canton G League team. Remember, he suffered that injury, that Achilles injury, but he is okay. He will try out for the Canton G League team. Also, Joey King was set to sign with the team in Belgium. In fact, there was a verbal agreement, but he backed out of that. He is getting married. He wants to stay stateside. I know that Richard Patino thinks the world of Joey King, so we'll wait and see if Joey maybe emerges, whether it's as a graduate assistant or maybe just helps out on a volunteer basis. I just know that Patino thinks highly of Joey King. Joey King is currently in Minnesota. He's marrying a former Gophers cheerleader, didn't want to go play overseas again. That can turn into a hassle. So I wonder if Joey King will be around the Gophers men's basketball program a little bit this year. We'll finish Scoop Podcast episode 105 with a potpourri of notes. I'll start with the Wild, Nino Niederreiter. All signs point to him being back at some point next week, maybe even early next week. He's been out the last couple weeks with that injury. He did skate with the team on Thursday. Thursday morning, the morning skate, and on Wednesday for a bit. Zach Parisi had the back surgery. I am told if he's back in eight weeks, they announced eight to ten weeks, or was it six to eight weeks, whatever it was. I'm told if he's back in eight weeks, it's a minor miracle. We're looking at more like ten weeks or beyond. Also on the Wild, Luke Cunning is here. He's been going back and forth, but he's here. I'm told the Wild coaching staff thinks the world of Luke Cunning. They love his potential. They love his future. They love him right now. So I think Luke Cunning gets more and more minutes as we get into some regular games here. Pretty much the Wild playing every other day for the next month. We wish the pride of Chanhassen, Frank Ragnow, all the best at least, Chanhassen High School. He suffered a season-ending injury for the Arkansas Razorbacks. He will have to undergo a small procedure. It is an ankle injury for Frank. He is highly thought of by NFL scouts. So he has a chance to go pretty high in the NFL draft next year. Now, will this injury impact that? I guess we'll wait and see. But all the best to Frank Ragnall. I know on the personal side of things and his personal life, he's dealt with a lot with the passing of his dad in the last year and now this season-ending injury. But hopefully all works out well for Frank Ragnall. Remember the Gophers went after him hard. Jerry Kill, Matt Limegrover. He just saw a faster path to playing time in Little Rock, or I guess Fayetteville, I guess it would be, for Arkansas. And you know what? He made a good decision. He played a lot as a freshman. He has played a lot the last few years. Some guard, mostly center, really good kid, really good player. So it worked out well, him choosing an SEC school, Arkansas, over the Gophers. And undoubtedly, whether he goes in the second round, the third round, or it's later in the draft, he has an NFL future. Remember the name, Frank Ragnow. One final note that was sent to me college basketball-wise, Stefan Mitchell, Shakopee High School 2016 class, He is in the mix to play a lot this year for Boston College. So he graduates from Shakopee High School a year ago. He goes the postgraduate route, so he went to a postgraduate school for a year. Now he will start his college basketball career in the ACC with the Boston College Eagles. You think about Troy Bell a number of years ago having all that success in the Big East, one of the great players in Boston College history, Minneapolis' own Troy Bell, turned into an NBA first-round pick. There's a little bit of a pipeline, Minneapolis, or at least Minnesota, to Boston College now with Stefan Mitchell in the mix to be one of their top seven, top eight players this year. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 105. Remember to support the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast. We have Running Tap, Running Hyphen Tap. We have Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com, Vine Park Brewery in St. Paul. So be sure to support those sponsors. This 
podcast keeps going because of great folks like that. We're not behind any sort of paywall or anything like that. This is free. This podcast is free for you. I appreciate you listening. Trust me. But I also need you to support the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast. Hey, it's beer, right? Who doesn't like beer? You know, if you drink, you know, I know enough people who don't drink. But if you drink, who doesn't like some beer? Good tasting beer, at least. So Vine Park Brewery and you have Running Tap, running-tap.com online. They will deliver beer right to your doorstep. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back next week with episode 106. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 23.